The new UN climate change report predicts the Earth will most likely cross a critical warming threshold by 2035. Now, what if the wellness of the planet went hand in hand with achieving financial wellness? On today's podcast, Dave Wallace talks with Hendrik Rosval, the CEO of Dreams Technology, and Matthias Wickstrom, CEO of Daconomy, to learn how they've teamed up to take decisive action on both fronts. From the studios of NMD Plus in the UK and US comes the Dave and Dom Demystify Show. Dave and Dom demystify show, making sense of the world of fintech and digital finance. Sit back and listen as the two Ds take a subject and chat it through to make it clearer and easier to understand. And now, here are your hosts, Dave Wallace and Dom Mystery. Demystify. Welcome everybody to today's podcast. And today we have two extremely special guests joining us. We have Matthias from Deconomy and Henrik from Dreams Technology. Welcome to you both. Matthias, Henrik, why don't you just give us a bit of background to yourselves and the journey you've been on, and then we can talk about the great news about something that's just happened very recently. Sure. Thank you, Dave. I'm very happy to be here. Matthias Wikström, co-founder and CEO of Deconomy. We started our journey basically six years ago making every transaction count. That was the first off at the time, and I'm happy to see that there is a lot of companies trying to do the same now. The climate crisis that we aim to address by educating the many is high the size of great magnitude, so I'm sure there is plenty of opportunity for all to contribute. At Economy, we're proud to see over 80 banks now working with us on global level, touching 34 territories, and those banks represent slightly north of 900 million end users, which of course would be an amazing opportunity to see them reduce their impact through the tools that we provide at the economy. Wow. And Henrik, tell us a bit about Dreams Technology and the journey yourself and the journey you've been on. Yes, absolutely. So great to be here. I'm Henrik Roswald. I founded Dreams back in 2014. So Dreams was built on the premises that we wanted to change the way banking services were consumed. And we wanted to kind of stop the procrastination that is going on in banking, people knowing that they need to save more money, they need to start invest and pay off debts, but they push that into the future instead, kind of spend the money here and now. Because that's kind of how our brains are wired. We're seeking the lowest friction to a reward that makes us feel good at the moment, but kind of create some hangover in the long term. So we wanted to design a service that actually got people to start increasing their financial health and stop procrastinating. I turned to the behavioral science kind of community already back in 2014. So that was early days of start looking into this competence for the banking industry. So we built Dreams as a B2C service, attracted quite a lot of users in Sweden and Norway. Right now, the B2C part has around 460,000 users in two small countries like Sweden and Norway. So we have a lot of data that has helped us develop a platform 
to really kind of change behaviors to the better, start forming new sustainable behaviors. So we've done that since we went live in 2016. And then in 2020, we start looking into, can we get leverage on all the investments we have done in our platform, but supporting banks in their kind of digital sustainable transformation journeys where they can offer our platform and our services to their own clients as a white label solution. We did this for two reasons. First of all, we wanted to reach 1 billion clients sooner than we can do as a B2C service. So by actually kind of supporting banks in their journey, becoming change makers, we could reach that faster. And then, of course, the cash flow is very different in a B2B context than in a B2C context. So our first client was BP Paribas, which was a lucky shot. They are very interested in sustainability and have a very dedicated kind of agenda. So we started working with them as the first B2B client and got to know them fairly well. They liked what they saw and what we could do together. And eventually we split the B2C and the B2B business in two different entities. The B2C business was created through a joint venture with BNP Paribas in the Nordics called Dreams Sustainable, building up a sustainable neobank for end users. And then the B2B business was a standalone business fully owned by Dreams AB. And we got into climate and we started elaborating a little bit on how can we use the methodology to actually help people also live more sustainable from an environmental perspective. And I actually met Matthias the first time back in 2016 in a small island called Åland through Ålandsbanken. I've been following Matthias and Johan's journey since then, and it's a very impressive journey. And they focus on B2B. And we started discussing kind of where's this business and where's this industry going? Like, could you actually change behaviors for the better for the planet as well? And can we leverage on each other's strength? The economy having a lot more B2B clients than we have built a very, very strong brand that is well known in the industry and is a thought leader in this space. We've done the same thing, but on the kind of behavioral science and behavioral economics part in the forefront of actually changing behaviours. And that's the big news is you just merged businesses. And I was really interested and actually very excited about it because from my perspective, the journey I've had around finance and climate is only sort of 18 months old. So I followed Mateus particularly with the economy and some of the other players out there in terms of of things like carbon tracking in terms of transactional data. But I think one of the conclusions that I've reached based on the work that I've done, so I've been working with a big bank in the Middle East, but you can't ignore what happens after you see data, you know, so that connecting the behavioral science with the kind of data that people see, I think is super critical. So it feels like a right move, but it's a big move. Matthias, you'd probably understand what people are doing on the back of this more than anybody. So I'm interested to get your views over the last five years in terms of what your customers and their clients are doing and seeing. I think you're you're absolutely right in that observation. And I remember reading your first piece and I was thinking, looking forward to a conversation just like this based on your experience and what you see is out there. From our side of the fence, we see 
a lot of banks stepping up to the ability to provide something more than just transactions, to be more of a platform of transition, I would say, assisting both retail clients as well as SMEs in their journey to a net zero economy out of a carbon perspective. When working in this space, the frustration that we see coming back to procrastination, and as Henrik alluded to, you need to understand what needs to be done, but you also need to be enabled to do so. And we have been looking at DreamStake for quite some time and their tremendous success in assisting people, giving them a helping hand, a handrail of sorts, you know, using behavioral economics to create engagement banking services and having a financial inclusion or well-being as a result of that. A little bit of the missing link. And I think here the banks has a tremendous opportunity. Obviously, the success that banks have seen as a retail service is a testament to that. But also opening this black box of magic in regard of behavioral science and making that readily available to many other banks, enabling them to engage their users in turn, connecting it to traditional banking services as a bridge into a more sustainable tomorrow, adding our calculation methodology, looking at you know enriching each transaction with, with CO2 scores or freshwater intensity which is unique to the world, I think it's a good way, a tangible way, not only to provide the opportunity to address this challenge that we're all facing in your daily whereabouts, but also to aggregate a lot of data at the back end, enabling banks to provide better insights, better services, and better incentives to drive the change we need to see. I mean, at the end of the day, there is a rainy Tuesday in February. You're standing there at the checkout at the supermarket with one screaming kid and the phone ringing and your car is, you know, lost. And what's the climate crisis to you in a situation like that? So we need to make it easy for everyone to contribute. And I'm super happy to see Henrik and his team of passionate change makers on board with the economy now. Because together there is an obvious value creation that the world hasn't seen before. And... Judging by the interest that we have received just in a short week since we communicated this, I think a lot of others are onto it as well. So I think hope is a scarce commodity in the work I do. But ever since we succeeded in this, I think hope has been present to a larger extent and something that I'm grateful for the DreamStech team for bringing and also for the economy skill set to be activated closer to the behavior and using the data that comes out of that. Well, I think for me, it was a really important move as well, because what we've seen is a real upswing of interest in things like carbon data going into banking. But I think if you then look at what happens at a consumer level, people, I think, I mean, and you could probably tell me if I'm wrong, but I think people will look at the data and go, yeah, I need to change stuff. And then we'll often just forget to recheck in. Now, I guess one of the problems with the data is it doesn't change an awful lot as well. So if you can then connect it with that behavioral science, but do it in a very active way, for me, that's been the thing which is really missing. So Henrik, in terms of the way dreams works, in conversations I've had with some of your team, it is about creating that sense of a dream. What are some of the ambitions that I as an individual want? And then providing help, getting people to think in terms of those dreams makes a huge amount of sense. Yeah, the dream is actually just a manifestation of what motivates people to take action. 
So you need to find that kind of intrinsic motivation, whatever motivates you to actually start changing behavior. And then you need to provide them with the right toolkit and the right coaching to actually do that, to actually take action. And then you need to nurture that motivation by giving feedback, giving rewards, etc. And I think this is kind of the uniqueness in this partnership, because now we have the possibility to assess one's lifestyle. It doesn't matter if it's on the climate side, a kind of my footprint today, or how am I feeling around my finances today? It's all around kind of engaging people to actually start taking action. It could be like turn vegetarian and save 300 kilograms of CO2 emission and save three euros a day towards your dream. It's all connected. Take the public transportation instead of taking your car to work. You save a couple of quid a day by doing that. In the long run, it all adds up. You start saving quite a lot of money and you start saving a lot on your climate footprint. We need to provide the tools and show them that it's actually possible to build up the confidence that we can actually change this traction. As I was researching the climate emergency and the intersection with financial services, I went on the World Wildlife Fund and they've got a very simple calculator. And I was like, holy crap, you know, this is not good. They bucket things into various big territories like travel and energy use. So I decided that energy use was a thing that I would really focus on. And I managed to co-op my wife into helping. We work really hard to reduce our energy use. And we bought an EV car. And we did this before the energy crisis that has hit the UK. And now we're sort of in a point where I'm like, not only are we much more efficient in terms of our energy usage, but we're saving hundreds of pounds on the back of it. So I think connecting sustainability and finance is a really, really interesting thing. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I'm just kind of interested in terms of what are some of the plans for the next 12 months? The only certainty is uncertainty, right? (laughs) But what we do know is that we have succeeded to establish a standard of sorts, which I consider to be a bit of an infrastructure. And that infrastructure being data and the methodology of the impact calculations carried by each and every transaction around the world today. I'm very proud of that. However, with that infrastructure, we can also enable other services to play a great part in the everyday life of people. And that's where DreamStack come in and their amazing KPIs of getting this done over time is nothing short but impressive. My ambition going forward is, of course, to build an ecosystem of sorts under the economy, being, I would think, the, the market leader in this space now. But in order to remain that, there's also a responsibility. And that is to continue to lead the way, to continue to lead the way enabling banks to deserve a new position in the life of their clients. And with that said, we need to be on our toes, getting tangible change made, driving compassionate actions that is measurable. And initially now, we are two companies that share pretty much the same values, the same culture and the same passion to assist. DreamsTech has built their service on getting financial wellness to the many, and we have built our success in building climate literacy over the world. And bridging these two competences or powers of sorts, I think is going to be our core focus leading up to the end of 2023. But already today, you can access 
Dreams Techs and Lukonomy Services under one umbrella, which I think is a very good learning curve for us to work with our partners in the banking and financial services industry. And we already see a few banks signing up to that opportunity because they are also eager to learn. We're doing new things and we're doing them in a new way, making use of the behavioral economics driven engagement banking services that DreamStack has and forge them into a very powerful suite of tools and services that will make banks more relevant in the life of their users and tangibly, measurably and data-drivenly contributing to a more sustainable tomorrow. And I think, Dave, from what you've seen, and I completely agree with your assessment, you know, scouting the internet in the early days of this, there's a lot of good intentions, but data and the integrity in data and the integrity of the user is always going to be critical. So you need to have best-in-class data to deserve the trust of the user. And no bank today, and we see there's a lot of banks coming back with that concern after scouting the market. So no bank today want to put their brand in the hands of old or inferior or stochastic data sources. They are in the trust business. Looking at what happened with Silicon Valley Bank, by the way, you know, it's all about trust, right? One day you have the VCs telling everyone to get their money out. The day after they're telling everyone we should save Silicon Valley Bank. And the only component, I mean, it's a bit paradox, right? But as a writer, you know this better than most that with citizenship comes both pros and cons. You have to accept the responsibility. And I guess, you know, there will be some of your clients who have put the economy in, who have seen their consumers using the tech, but then wanting more. So, Hendrik, from your point of view, I guess there's banks out there that may not have Dreams Tech, which are the economy customers that you can go and talk to and talk about upscaling what they've got to put that behavioral platform in as well. Yeah, and I think that's what's interesting. I think Economy has done a great job in finding these banks that actually have not only kind of put this into their strategy, but are also executing on that strategy with the first step, the assessment, super important. But what's the next step? After assessing one's kind of situation, you need to take action because I think that's what's driving the market. That's what's driving the strategy. So. It's a very natural step for any bank to take, like looking into that. And even though they do it internally or externally, it doesn't matter. It's important that they actually take that step. And we just want to make that step easier for them with a battle-proven product that has been live in the market since 2016, instead of trying to build something internally that will take a lot of time, new competences, and a lot of guts. It is sort of like a new frontier. But it's very important. So the whole notion of using banking as a kind of springboard for wellness, but also climate. I guess one of the things that you'll be able to do is to observe behaviours as well from large populations. One of the other things that I've seen is how people act is different across geographies. And that is often not taken into account in terms of some of these things. So I guess what you'll then have is access to a lot of information about what is actually going on, which is then going to be very useful in terms of how do you help change people's behaviours as well. So that data and insight, is that something that you will be looking to turn into publications? You know, will you be looking to do a bit more of that, but around the behavioural stuff? Because I think that is super critical. 
Absolutely, and thank you for bringing up the 2030 forecast that we published in Stockholm, London and New York together with our partners at Kairos using satellite imagery to track emissions in real time and posting that at the heart of consumption really in order for people to understand are we on track or not, what does it take to hit the 2030 targets and making it more tangible. I think already today we are working with four different governments in regard of assisting them on how to coach their citizens to be better educated around cause and effect. What, what happens if I do this and then what happens if I do that? And sometimes it's driven by financial incentives, like in your case, Dave, looking at you know what you and your wife did with the electricity bill, you know, coming into the electricity pricing crisis that we have now, triggered by the greatest climate activist of all time, Putin. So I think um, you know there's plenty to learn from that short term, but the data that can educate everyone and to, can illustrate the potentials, I think, are the most important part. The world today in regard to sustainability is lacking a narrative. As a storyteller or as a writer or as a director, everyone knows the narrative needs to be there, it needs to be credible, it needs to be engaging, and it needs to be aspirational, right? And the world is completely at loss in regard of narrative because what we're facing is so untangible that it's impossible to create something around it. And that's where data kicks in and that's where behavior change becomes so much more relevant. And I think Henrik and Stina and all of the behavioral science team of DreamStack has a responsibility to share these insights, both with governments and companies in showing the way, you know, and I think something that we've been trying to step up to is also the same responsibility because with our success and size comes the opportunity to assist others in trying to do their thing and do it well. So just to give you an example of that, just recently during World Economic Forum in Davos, we created the economy stage of impact. Instead of just going there blowing our own horn, we thought it was a good idea through our network and what we have achieved to provide some limelight for those in need in 2023 to see their businesses funded, to see networks engaged, and to get the reach that I would have hoped for someone to do for us five or six years ago. And that's exactly what I think the behavioral insights can play from a DreamStack perspective, doing exactly that, providing not only a stage, but also limelight on behaviors that can trigger more positive decisions, more sustainable trajectory and greater relationships, because it's naive to think that this is a one-man band or a one solution. There is no silver bullet to this, you know. Right. We need to have many parts in play. Henrik, yes. <laughs> yeah, just looking at ourselves and the people around us, around saving for our pensions. How exciting is that, really? And the reason why it's not that exciting is because you don't really know the person you're saving for. You can't really picture yourself what you do as a pensioner. Like if you shorten that kind of time horizon to a vacation with your kids or your family or friends next year, you can imagine the feeling of happiness, going there, playing on the beach, etc. So you can get that emotional connection. But when talking about pension, how excited are you now, Dave? thinking about your retirement plan. Mention the word pension to me and my brain shuts down. Yeah, exactly. So it's the same thing with climate, but even worse. Like, could you imagine saving the planet? And how would you feel doing that? Or 
the opposite, like not saving the plant, how would you feel? It's so intangible, as Matthias said. So we need to help your brain kind of figure that out. And we need to close the gap between your current self and your future self. And I think that's where behavioral science can play a really important role to really kind of make you feel confident that a small step today or tomorrow will actually can get you on the right trajectory to save for your pension or save the climate. And I think that's where our brains are really powerful. And if we treat this right, we can get people on the right track and with the right confidence to take action and make a difference. Absolutely right. Again, I have puzzled over the whole, how do you get people to think about future money? You know, this, it is very difficult. I sort of did this thought experiment. It's sort of like, what advice would you give your younger self is the thing that often people say. But I'm like, what advice could my older self give myself now? You know, so I completely, completely agree with that. I mean, I think, Matthias, your point around the narrative is so, so important. Like, that sort of feels like a massive missing thing for me, which is turning this into meaningful stories for people. I guess there's a few books out there starting to try to do that, but they tend to be cli-fi, so, you know, science fiction-ish type books. Actually using data and what's in the here and now to help people understand the impact they can have, I think is super critical. You know, one of the things that I think is great about this is it goes beyond just the people who are at the fringes, the really passionate kind of eco-warrior type people into the mass. And that sort of feels like something really important. I completely agree. And I mean, those that are members of Greenpeace, they are not the problem. You know, we need to work with everyone else, democratizing the accessibility of understanding impact. And I think the three of us in this call represents, you know, data, behavior, and language. If the three of us could get together and work on a solution that would be distributed to the many using trusted networks of distribution, may it be MasterCard or others, I think there's an opportunity there. Fantastic. We're out of time. I could go on talking about this literally for weeks, but I really want to thank you both for coming on. It's been a fascinating, fascinating conversation. Congratulations. I think it's a really good bold and right move. So I'll be watching very carefully what happens and cheering from the sidelines. So congratulations and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Dave. You've done well. I mean, you've wandered around an entire airport while we've been doing this podcast. So uh, we appreciate you joining. Thank you for tuning in to Dave and Dan Demystify. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault on SoundCloud. Be sure to connect with Dave Wallace and Darmish Mystery on LinkedIn. And until next time, ciao and have a marvellous week. The Dave and Darm Demystify Show is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago and Austin, Texas.